to know Simone Redwine. She's a successful attorney, legal correspondent, and reality star on OWN's hit dating show, Ready to Love. Retained by it and that you just feel more empowered. So you don't feel like you have to be a victim of different corporate greed, if it's the airlines or um, of certain predicaments or situations in your life. So yeah, it's, it's one of the self-care things I do for myself because I enjoy it. It's fun and it's funny. And it also, it allows me potential uh, to talk, tell potential clients when they say, you know, oh, I have a quick question. I can say, ah, listen to episode four, listen to episode three. So yes, def definitely check us out in the new year. And on iTunes, it's called, Is That Legal? And you can find us on iTunes and um, a variety of others. But then you can also just go to my website, which is girlisthatlegal.com. Love it, girl. Is that legal.com? We got it. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you for being my special guest today. So I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. And also, oh, check oh. me out um, on Instagram. I always forget. Okay. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is Simone Redwine. I Simone with a Y, S-Y-M-O-N-E. Um, and then you can also, if you want to chat with me more, um, I partnered with a company called Candy. It's called Meet Candy. And what it is, it's a company where you can video chat with celebrities and reality show people. Um, you can video chat with us and it's super fun and I love meeting new friends. So you can go to meetcandy.com and put in Simone Redwine. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. You take care and we will see you on the gram and check out your All podcast right. very soon. You take care, okay? Thank you. Bye-bye. Can't wait to share this video with you. Awesome. Bye-bye. <laughs> Miss. <laughs> Sounds like it. And then you had to be vulnerable. And then since you couldn't utilize your family, your close friends, you had to really right. kind of lean on each other through the process. <laughs> yes, that oh, definitely God. made it more challenging for sure. Now, you've been incredibly brave and vulnerable in this journey. Uh, what have you taken away from it? And how will you apply it to your next chapter? Absolutely. I've, I've said that I really feel like after this experience, I'm going to be an even better girlfriend than I was before. Um, because one of the main things that I realized is one, my instincts and my intuition are good. They're largely spot on. They're accurate about people and things and so forth. But also that I need to work on doing a better job of asking for exactly what I want in my love life. You know, I do that for a living. I do it on my behalf and behalf of others, but I'm not so good at doing that with men um, and just allowing myself to be more vulnerable with them. So those are some of my biggest takeaways. You know what I love? I, I mean, the men, the men were so different. And so I love that, you know, in a sense you could kind of cultivate your response to the different men you may meet in the future. I mean, we haven't seen the end of the show, so we don't know what happens, but um, right. I love that you are able to cultivate those experiences for, from what I see for the future. You know, you never know who, you know, you'll interact with Absolutely. in business, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think that's another thing that I've realized is like my personality varies largely dependent upon my relationship with the guys. For example, like just if I'm into a guy, they get a totally different Simone than if it's just my friend zone. So like Edwin will have a separate um, opinion of me and experience of me than um, Rashid may have had and things like that. And uh, I was listening to an interview that Rashid had given and, and uh, when the interviewer was like, well, what was your experience with Simone when such and such happened? He was like, I don't have those problems with her. I guess I know how to handle her. And I was like, yes, no, 
would be accurate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I mean, for one thing I can say about you and Rishi, you guys have this dynamic energy, you know, so it's like a great ball of fun. So whereas Edwin is a, little, a lot more reserved, a lot more chill, a lot yeah. more talkative, you know, a lot more serious. Mm -hmm. So I get it, you know, and, and those are those yeah. are sides of you. Like when you're when you're doing your attorney work, it's fierce, it's on fire, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I have to do. And then you also know how to let loose and have fun and you know bring joy exactly <laughs> absolutely and it's um and it was funny i talk about uh well i've mentioned it so anthony one of the one of the guys on the show anthony I um you, him. <laughs> you did oh wonderful did y'all have fun yes <laughs> yeah well we never really interacted at all at the mixer and the next day um when we did interact he was he was like Simone you know I have to admit like I really didn't take the time to uh, meet you but part of it was because I found out you were a lawyer and my ex was a lawyer and I didn't want and I said you know what no hard feelings because my ex was a ball player so I didn't need to meet you either I was just joking but I think too being an attorney with dating whenever men have had prior negative experiences dating female lawyers they write us all off and i'm okay with that because i don't want to be held responsible for someone else's offenses you're not gonna put that on me but i've realized that like when men get to know me independently they're like man you're nothing like what i thought mm -hmm, i'm not <laughs> so maybe the show will teach us not to judge books by their covers <laughs> i think so too i think that that is definitely a theme that um should definitely resonate through the show and through watching you know the different cast members and i was a fan i've watched all the episodes um which was part of why i wanted to do this and one of the reasons why i really encourage people to watch ready to own uh, ready to love on own friday nights um is because you, there are 20 characters. You can see yourself or portions of yourself in various characters. And whether you feel like, you know, you are dating perfectly and you have your perfect mate, um, then what you can see is how do different people communicate? What are some things you may be able to do better? And then also you can see, man, what does it look like out in that dating, dating world? Like if you're like, well, maybe I want to leave the one I'm with. You might want to look at what's going on out here and be like, nah, they're not that bad. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. That is so funny. Um, as a Cornell Law School grad, whoop, whoop. <laughs> how long have you been an attorney and what or who inspired your career choice? Absolutely. So I've been an attorney for about 13 years now. And um, I was inspired just as a little girl. I've always been inquisitive and loved problem solving. And it kind of started when I was little. Um, my mom used to come in my room and it would be messy. And she said, whew you don't have to go up and have a good job, like be a lawyer, so you don't have to clean your room. You'll be able to pay somebody. And I was like, cool, you could pay somebody to clean your room? I'm gonna be a lawyer. That's when I was like six or seven. And then I got older and I realized what they did. And I was like, you know what? I wanna help people, but I don't wanna be poor. This'll be a great job for me. And so fast forward, you know, my interest in the law grew and developed. But I think what always attracted me is I like problem solving and I really enjoy storytelling. And the type of law that I practice, it allows me to tell stories for those who can't articulate their positions as well for themselves. And because at the end of the day with the law, the person who tells the better story wins. Mm -hmm. Point blank, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with been, the jury. I mean, you've been, in, you've been an attorney for 13 years. You've helped a lot of people. What would you say are some of your proudest achievements as an attorney? Oh, goodness. Um, I think some of my proudest ones are the ones that have effectuated long-term change. 
So uh, one example would be there was um, there's a wrongful death case that um, I worked on for a number of years uh, with a particular company, and this company was making products that uh, were monitored by the FDA, but they lied on all their FDA documentation. And ultimately this product killed my client's child. Well, it was in school districts across America. And even after the FDA recalled it, they did not notify school districts and children and staff continued to be burned by this equipment. Um, and ultimately I took all of the evidence I got, I brought it to the FDA. This was a publicly traded multi-million dollar company. And our evidence alone was enough to shut down the company forever. Wow. Mm -hmm. you say so that was seriously. one of the proudest things. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of my proudest. And of course I do a lot of expungements um, and non-disclosures as well. And those are basically, it's a process in various states where you can seal your criminal record or have it erased either or. That's very fulfilling to me as well because it gives such immediate change and happiness to my clients' lives. Within about 60 to 90 days, you know, they can reapply for a job they were rejected and they now qualify because they don't have that record that's, that was previously visible that prevented them in the first place. Oh, mm -hmm. such good in the world. Thank you so much for all you do. To Thank you. I enjoyed it. It's <laughs> fulfilling. It is fulfilling. A lot of hard work, but fulfilling as well. Now let's talk about COVID-19. It's been so challenging for so many people in a number of ways. We're talking about financially, health-wise, and much more. Um, let's talk about legal solutions for everyday consumers in COVID-related conditions. I know, you, I know you're getting this. I know you're hearing your clients are asking for your help in this. Absolutely. So let's start with just day-to-day -day at work. What are some of your options at work, right? So I've had multiple um, people call me and say, well, my job is not providing us with PPP or, or PPE, the protective equipment, or they're giving it to us, but they want us to use like the same mask for an entire week and so forth. You are not forced to be in that type of working situation. And what? here's what's challenging. First, I'll tell you what the law says, and then we'll talk about real solutions because you gotta you know, earn a living, you gotta make money. So the law says you don't have to work in a dangerous work environment. And if they want you to come to work in a COVID environment, the job is supposed to provide you with the mask and gloves and those things. If they don't, you're not required to provide it, but if you choose to provide your own, you can ask for reimbursement for things like that. Also, if they're not willing to give you those things, you can request um, that your job assignment be changed to something where you do not have to interface with the public. So as one example, um, I actually had a nurse. There was a nurse, she was pregnant. Um, she was worried about that. They gave her a job where she basically did administrative work from home and was able to do that throughout her pregnancy. Um, there was a, a cashier at a grocery store. That grocery store also needed help with stocking. So that particular cashier um, was able to change and be a stalker on the evening shift, basically when the grocery store was closed. So that also reduced um, their exposure. But you have to, I, what I, the main thing I recommend is you have to put all requests in writing as much as possible, whether that's via email or text messaging. But you definitely want to put it in writing and start there. And then if they're still not willing to give you those things, the, the masks and things like that, at that point, you should definitely contact your local uh, work commission in your uh, state 
sorry, the local uh, work, I'm sorry, employment commission that protects workers in your area and it varies by name, but you want to let them know because they can document that. And then they also sometimes have resources for employees and for um, small businesses because a lot of small businesses simply, you know, are already struggling. So when you add on the cost for these protective things, it's truly difficult for so many of them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then make it making a way for businesses to continue to thrive, but also to retain your employees too, because exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Have Absolutely. To to work if they're uncomfortable. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I read a statistic that says 79 million people have been displaced due to the COVID-19 pandemic. What rights do renters have in terms of breaking their leases? Okay. Many states and all, um, uh, Federal housing, so Section 8 type of housing and public housing, have moratoriums on evictions. And those moratoriums go through the end of this year. Now, what a moratorium says is that while the rent and those fees are still owed, they can't file to put you out until after the 31st. Here's the challenge. Then that means all those months you weren't paying, you have one big balloon payment that you've got to come up with. So one alternative for that is one, you can always contact your landlord and see if they'd be willing to work with you. If it's a landlord that had, if you have a landlord that has a mortgage, um, that landlord may be able to reach out to whoever their mortgage person is and find out if they can get um, mortgage forbearance, meaning that the, the months where you're living there, they don't owe their mortgage. That will likely help the landlord be a lot more flexible. And secondly, if you know that you're not able to make that lump sum payment that's gonna be due um, when that eviction is filed, you should go ahead and work with your landlord and see if you would agree to perhaps make one payment or a portion of that payment in exchange for turning in your keys, moving out promptly, and them not putting um, derogatory uh, eviction on your record. It's a case-by-case -case scenario, but for a lot of landlords, getting some money rather than none, you know, would be better. Especially, you know, if it's a situation where the amount they're asking for is, let's say, at this point, it's been nine months, right, for the pandemic. If it's nine months and, you know, you don't have that, if they could get two, it would be better than nothing. Does that make sense? And or even if you put the person out and then now the property is vacant, you're still not getting right. money, you know, so. Exactly. So right. yes, so better, than, better <laughs> than nothing. Uh -huh. And you can also get a letter from that landlord if you communicate with them, where if you need like a referral to the next one, just a letter that says um, this landlord was in good, this tenant was in good standing at the time that um, she, you know, that her lease terminated. And a simple letter like that would be very helpful because you don't want to have to keep going back to that landlord in the future for a reference letter. It's always best to get one letter, have it dated as of the time after you left and have that letter stand for you. Because otherwise, um, depending on the mood of that landlord, that reference letter could say anything. You don't want to run into that. You mentioned forbearance. If say the landlord owns, has a mortgage on the property. What about a homeowner that has a single family home? Is that something that's available? Oh yes. Homeowners have a lot more protections and options. If you are in ho a homeowner and you have a, a federally backed mortgage, so like a conventional or FHA, they are giving um, at least six months forbearance. And then at that six month point, if you feel that you need more, um, a lot of mortgage companies are then doing a month to month forbearance. And what they'll do there, you definitely 
simply want to confirm with your mortgage company because your interest will still accrue, but they usually tack those months onto the end of your mortgage. I, in fact, asked for that. And they said, you know, okay, well, you have a 30 year, so it's going to be 36. I said, well, that's fine. You know, by 30, well, not 36, but 30 years, six months. And I said, well, that's fine because I plan to pay it off by then anyway. So, you know, and it's, it's very good to go ahead and ask for anything you think you might need in the new year, because they're offering a lot of these programs and deferments right now through the end of the year, but they are very stringent and strict saying that as of the new year, they're not going to be as lenient and they're not going to offer certain things. And I believe that it's likely in part because now that we've got the vaccines coming out, um, a lot of these companies feel that, you know, people should be able to pull them up by the bootstraps, so to speak. And we all know that realistically, that's not so feasible for everyone. I know that businesses are out to make money. I get it. You're, you, you didn't launch a business right. hang out. But for a mortgage company, is that is that like public? Not, I mean, I know it's public knowledge, but like, do they notify their customers? Like, hey, if you're having for anybody out there that's having, or is it like tip top secret? Like, it's like a secret. It's, it's one of those things. Man. So what's funny is nowadays, you know, you usually get, most people get their, um, bills on electronically like via email and things like that and what i've noticed is i have not been receiving anything that has proactively offered help a lot of it is it's kind of secret you have to call in to find out about it or if you go to their website they'll use they'll sometimes have a banner at the top of the website and actually it's often easier if they do have such a banner to use the electronic means to do it rather than calling in because calling in these days can you can be on hold forever. And actually, one of the very little known um, uh, relief and relief options during COVID is actually for Obamacare. So, so many people have been complaining that Obamacare is so expensive and it's, you know, out of reach for the average American. Well, uh, because the current administration is not a supporter of the Affordable Care Act, they stopped advertising the fact that subsidies exist. So, a lot of people don't realize all you have to do is pick up the phone, call and say, hey, I'm interested in finding out if I qualify for an Obamacare subsidy. And that you can do this even if you're already enrolled in a plan and you've been in that plan for months. Over the phone, they'll just take your financial information. And here's the key. If you've been affected by COVID, don't give them the dollar amount that you made last year. You're gonna tell them the amount you have today. So if today you're collecting unemployment, you tell them the amount um, in unemployment that you're making monthly. If your hours have been reduced, you give them that dollar that month. I had a client that um, I helped to do this. They went from paying $511 per month for their Obamacare down to $140 per month with a $50 annual deductible. Wow. So, it really, really helps. But it's a little known secret. If you don't call, you won't know, and it's not really advertised anywhere. They don't want you to know. At least right! It seems like a common thing. Um, there are resources out here, and that's why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation and you're giving so much information because I hope that this helps somebody watching to, Absolutely. You know, to go in and procure those resources. My goodness. Um, what about, oh, here we go. For anyone out there who has canceled trips due to COVID, how do they leverage getting a refund for flights not taken? 
Yes, absolutely. So with the airlines, their default policy is simply allowing you to change your flight. So the first thing is it depends on when you booked. So earlier in the year, um, let's say through March, April, May, those flights at the time that you booked them were non-refundable, right? But for example, myself, I was supposed to go to a bachelorette party to St. Martin. St. Martin closed its doors. So that flight was canceled. So you can demand a, a refund back to however you paid for it. So a refund back to your credit card. The way to do that though, is you have to contact each um, airline. You have to say to that company specifically, I do not want a credit, I want a cash refund. And then they will tell you the process. So you are entitled to a cash refund if you booked it earlier in the year. Now, if you booked it later in the year, um, like more so like June and beyond, then those um, tickets, they specifically stated, they will simply just let you rebook into next year for free without a change. So if that's the case, you can rebook in that manner. But if you're having any issues with rebooking, don't forget, you can always contact your credit card company and dispute the transaction. Um, I actually encourage people to do that first because what happens there is, for example, a lot of times people booked a ticket, but because so many few people are now flying, the airlines decided to change their route or change the time that that flight's leaving. So you call your credit card company and say, hey, I booked a flight that was supposed to leave at this time. It's no longer doing so, and they're not giving me my money back. Most credit card companies will credit you your money back and give the airline 30 days to prove that the flight was going to leave at exactly that day and time, and they can't do it. So I've received my money back for two flights doing that. Um, so, you, so disputing it with your credit card is a second option. And then the third, if all else fails, so if the airline isn't being receptive, if your credit card company hasn't given you your money back, you can actually go online and file a um, complaint with the U.S. Department of Transportation. They are actually over all of the airlines. And it's super, super important that you do that because what happens is they keep track of all airline complaints and airlines get penalties for not responding promptly. So by doing that, it then triggers a higher up response from the airline. So that is a third way that you can get that refund or get that flight changed without any penalties. I wish I talked to you earlier in the year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I booked, um, yes. travel for my family for April. We had a family vacation planned and I booked it on my rewards account. And so I, of course, they, we couldn't fly. Um, they couldn't fly. And so I called said airline and they were like, we, we can only give you the credit. And so I was right. like, five, it's five flights. Like they're not flying. And so there, so then I called again. I, I wouldn't let it, let it go. And they were like, well, um, we still want to be, what we'll do is we'll extend the credit on, for two years instead of the one year. And I'm like, uh, I want the money back. So right. they still told me no. <laughs> and so then I went back a third time to try. And then this time I explained the situation and then they were like, the only way that we can give you the refund is if you prove in writing that your family members had COVID during the time that they were supposed to fly. Oh, that's a lie. You should file a complaint with the Department of Transportation, girl. It is not too late. <laughs> so you should absolutely do that because no, I, no, no, no. Because if they are the ones, you know, if, if we have that, first of all, in April, your family very likely could have had COVID and couldn't have gotten a test. Because back then, I mean, if you weren't coughing, hacking, 
and so forth, or over the age of 65, it was virtually impossible to get a test. And they certainly were not giving children tests. So my entire I, family had COVID. My entire immediate family had COVID in June oh, and July. Wow. Entire, my my oh, parents, wow. my sister, my niece, my nephew. And so, yeah, I fought it, but we ended up working it around. We, Okay. We moved some points around and we were able to take some trips this year. So the, 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 it was utilized, but it's um, this is interesting to hear. Like there are so many things in place, but they fought me on it. Like, no, 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 no. But that's okay. And it, it's such a shame because it's such bad customer service. Like, mm -hmm. especially because they got bailout money. Like they received a bailout and you're still, shame on them. Shame on them. Shame, shame. See, you regularly offer valuable advice just like this. Um, tell me about your legal infotainment podcast and the type of discussion yes. you have. So you have to check me out on, um, it, my podcast is called, Is That Legal? Um, and you can go to my website, which is girlisthatlegal.com. And you can listen to some of the podcast episodes. We're going to have a bunch more coming out in the new year. But it's, it's infotainment. And by that, I mean, um, uh, writers or viewers and callers write in with questions and then we answer the questions online but it, it also contains like different funny stories from my legal career of uh, different clients what they've gone through that was pertinent to that question and at the end my hope is that upon listening you learn something different about the law you're entertained by it and that you just feel more empowered so you don't feel like you have to be a victim of different corporate greed if it's the airlines or um, of certain predicaments or situations in your life so yeah it's it's one of the self-care things I do for myself because I enjoy it. It's fun and it's funny. And it also, it allows me potential uh, to talk, tell potential clients when they say, you know, oh, I have a quick question. I can say, ah, listen to episode four, listen to episode three. So yes, def definitely check us out in the new year. And on iTunes, it's called, Is That Legal? And you can find us on iTunes and um, a variety of others. But then you can also just go to my website, which is girlisthatlegal.com. Love it. Girlisthatlegal.com. We got it. Mm -hmm. got it. Well, I want to thank you for being my special guest today. Samantha. I loved it. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and also, oh, check oh. me out um, on Instagram. I always forget. Okay. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is Simone Redwine. I Simone with a Y, S Y M O N E. Um, and then you can also, if you want to chat with me more, um, I partnered with a company called Candy. It's called Meet Candy. And what it is, it's a company where you can video chat with celebrities and reality show people. Um, you can video chat with us and it's super fun and I love meeting new friends. So you can go to meetcandy.com and put in Simone Redwine. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. You take care and we will see you on the gram and check out your podcast All right. very soon. You take care, okay? Thank you.